thank you so much for the privilege of being here. And got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 46 this morning. Psalm 46, we'll talk about that, and I appreciate so much your being here. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much, Grace View, for what you do to support our ministry that's there. I promise you that fund, those funds, will go to Cuba here in just a few weeks as we are there going, and we love so much what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. It is so good. <laughs> it is so good to see this place with a lot of people here and a lot of new faces, and it's good to see these young folks sitting down front. I appreciate you for that. And Elaine Waters made it. So, Elaine, God bless you. Uh, I will say this for you. Uh, I was here a few weeks ago for a funeral day. Franklin passed away, of course, good friend of ours, former staff member at Northside. But I was here. Elaine came up to me, and she said, I'm in seminary. <laughs> I said, you're in what? She said, I'm in seminary. I'm ex- I said, well, this is great. So she told me all about the class, okay? And if you can get her to tone it down a little bit, you have done a miraculous day. Well, that, listen, that's the only way she ever is. She's catching up for all those years Quincy wouldn't let her talk, so <laughs> I appreciate that so much. You know, I, that song is one of those special songs to me. I don't know why I thought about it. It's an old Ray Bolt song, and, you know, people say, well, Ray Bolt, doesn't matter. The song is still true because you're anchor. If you're anchored on the rock, that is Jesus Christ. It's going to hold. Now, doesn't mean everything's going to work out. Doesn't mean everything's going to go good. What it is going to mean is that anchor is going to hold through the worst of every storm. And I guess the answer for all of us, four real precious answers for the storms you're going to face. Does your anchor hold? Four anchors that'll be there for that storm. And that's critical for all of us. And I love that song. I don't know why I thought of it. I hadn't thought of it in years. It's an older song. Uh, and, but I did as I began to look at this message and kind of began to go through it and study it a little bit and to look at it would be there. So how do we anchor our souls when the waves of life kind of treat, seek to undo us? And that's going to happen over and over and over again. You know, when you're diagnosed, uh, you've got coronavirus, you've got COVID. I did a funeral yesterday. Uh, came in from of all places, Puerto Rico, North American Mission Ward was there. It was a working vacation. Sandy got to see a little of the sights. I got to work. But it was a great time to be there. But I came back to a funeral, and as I, as I preached the funeral and reminded of these days that, listen, here was a man who survived cancer five times, five times, 77 years of age. He worked up until he was a full-time employee with Walmart, Worked up until the day before he went to the hospital, passed away from pneumonia. And you know, but his anchor held. Because you know, the reality was the physical was gone. The temporary was settled, but the eternal was there for him. And that rock was anchored on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when the, you, you, know, you come to physical emotion, physical things that'll be there, uh, dark clouds of depression come about us. We all have those times when, man, you lose your job. When your next step of life just seems, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? In other words, what do you do when our present circumstances seem far too substantial and confusing to bring us fear and our limited abilities and understanding? How do we handle those things? What do we do with those things? You say, well, preacher, everything's going great. Well, Amen. Praise God for that. But let me tell you something. 
Some of you here today are either in the storm, you've come through the storm, and look out, brother, you're going to go through the storm. It's going to happen to all of us. And the question is, how do we handle those things? It's easy to talk when everything's going good. It's easy to have faith when all is going well. But the reality is, do I have faith when things aren't going that well, when things are not going bad or good? The doctor has come with that diagnosis and said, hey, you know, you don't have long. You know, the reality is, the problem is this. Jesus Christ is either Lord or he's not. One or the other. You can't hit the middle ground. He's either one or the other. That'll be there. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm just going to kind of ask, and we're going to kind of walk through just a couple of these anchors, about four of them, those soul-stirring anchors. I think all of you are going to recognize a little bit about one of these anchors, and you're probably there today. So your Bible's open, Psalm 46. Let me just read the Scripture, and then we'll take a few moments to look at the passage together. Now, it's interesting. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Now, the reason we won't fear is because we realize that God's our refuge and God's our strength. And we're very patient, our present help in times of trouble. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved to the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble and it's swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations to the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the power of the shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still. Boy, that is a good word for Baptist. Amen. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Father God, I pray today that we'll have the ears to hear what you have to speak. It's not about a message from an individual, Lord. It's not about our ability to communicate or my ability to communicate. It's about the Holy Spirit being able to communicate to each and every heart. You have a word for all of us today. However you speak that, by song, by prayer, even by announcements, Lord, you have a word. And I pray today, Father God, you'll give us the ears to hear what you have to say and the will to obey as you lead us through this time together, as we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when you read Psalm 46, and you may remember this old hymn, Martin Luther, this was kind of a favorite psalm of his that would be there. In fact, he penned a great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It came about because of this song and because of this hymn and what it meant to him. But let me set the context a little bit about where this psalm is written. Now, the context is this. It was in the days of Hezekiah the king. Hezekiah was there. The Assyrian army was going to be coming. They were going to take over. They were going to battle Judah and do all they were going to do. The damage would be there. In fact, you don't need to turn. Let me just kind of share you a little bit about what was about to happen. I'm going to read from 2 Kings 18, just a couple of verses. I'm not going to read it all. And it says in 2 Kings 18, verse 19, and it says, And the Reb Shekah said to them, Say to Hezekiah, <laughs> This says the great king, the king of Assyria. Now he's priding himself. Isn't that good? 
Oh, what do you rest, or what do you rest these trusts of yours? Do you think that mere words and strategy and power of war, in whom do you now trust that you have rebelled against me? Isn't that interesting? Takes that pride. And, and I'm going to skip on down and come on down to about the 29th verse. Listen to what it says. It says, thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you out of my hand. Do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord by saying, the Lord will surely deliver us and the city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. <laughs> Little did he know that his battle was not with Hezekiah, his battle was with the Lord, and the Lord will not lose a battle. Now, he won't do it, and he didn't lose this one. And it's interesting, when you move on over to chapter 19, let me just read just a couple of verses, and I love this. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, <laughs> he shall not come into this city or shoot an arrow there or come before you with a shield or cast up a siege bound against you. By the way that he came, by the way, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city. Well, that's pretty good when you have that defense. I will defend this city. I'll save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And that night the, and that night, the angel of the Lord went about and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. Now, you have to realize... Nobody chunked a spear. I started to say nobody fired a shot. They didn't have guns. Nobody chunked a spear. Nobody did this. God did it. And when the people rose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead bodies lying there. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived at Nineveh. And as he was worshiping in the house of Nimrod, his god, Ramalak and Sherazar, his son, struck him down with a sword and escaped into the land of Erat, and he was he reigned in their place. They reigned in his place. So you see, folks, we have that anchor. And I listen, like that song says, I don't know how your ship is. Sails may be torn, may be battered. You know, we get a little bit older. I've learned something about uh, getting older. There's things I used to do that I think I can still do that my body says, no, you can't do. And he lets me know that. I used to jump out of bed in the morning. I roll out of bed now and kind of stretch a little bit. I do that. And you say, well, man, how do you do that? Well, you young folks, one of these days, it'll catch up with you if you live long enough. It's got, old age, is, that comes with it. And when it does, the body kind of goes. But, you know, the beauty of it is I'm so glad one day I'm going to trade this one in for a brand new one. <laughs> and that's going to be good. Not going to be all the plastic surgery and all that stuff. This is going to be the real thing that's going to happen. So, I want you to notice, look at verse 1 again. I want you to notice, here's God's presence. He says, God's our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. You know, here he is, he appears at the very first word of that particular psalm. And we know God loves us. We know John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So a personal, powerful God who somehow manages miraculously to know your need today. That's right. Nothing catches him by surprise. It may get us, but it won't catch him. So anchor number one 
It says, one, our God, God is our protection. Now, we read verse 1. Verse 2 says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. What a great picture. Our refuge, our hiding place, our strength. He gives us this thing in our life that'll be there. He gives it to who? Weak. We are weak human beings. I don't care how strong we think we are. We're still weak human beings. And we're waiting on the Lord absolutely renews our strength. In fact, I love this verse. Let me read it to you. I'm Isaiah 40, verse 31. Write it down. Look at it later. What a great verse. You know it. You've heard it 100,000 times. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, he says those who wait. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is not something that's naturally done. That is something that God does because he loves us. A very present help in time of trouble. Guess what? In Jesus Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can know the God that always is for us, even in our suffering, even in our uncertainty. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said when he wrote to the church at Rome. He said this, he said, and I quote, He who did not spare his own son, that was Jesus, but gave him up for us all. By the way, how many are all? All. That's what that word means, all. Period, that's it, all. He gave him up for all. Even the bad, oh yes, even the bad guys. Even the other side of whatever political party you belong to. He gave them up for them, for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All things. What's the secret? How do I get in on this? Well, the secret is very, very simple. It is a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. You've probably heard my story a hundred times, and uh, I know like most people, you'll forget it. Uh, somebody said, well, preacher, do you? I said, no, I can preach the same sermon nine times. I don't think you remember it every week. But anyway, here it is. Remember, there was one thing. I remember as a 15-year-old teenage boy in Atlanta, Georgia, at a youth-led kind of a week revival. We were there for at breakfast before we went to high school. And I remember a statement. But I was a lost church member. I was as good a religious guy as you. Know, I did all the stuff. I would have checked my box. In other words, if you had that old offering envelope on the box, I'd have checked them all. Lied a couple of times, but I'd have checked them all. So I did that. But I remember that man that day, that very first words out of his mouth. And this was on a Monday. He said, I want to ask you one question. I'm going to deal with this all week. And I hope by the end of the week, you're going to be able to answer the infirmity. He said, do you have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ? That hit me right between the eyes. You see, I'm down here. God's up there. Oh, I believed in him. I believed the Bible. I believed what did. I didn't know any better, but I believed it. I did whatever I had to do. I was religious, but I was lost. But that personal relationship, I didn't have that. And that day, that day as Friday came in that life, a 15-year-old boy walked the aisle of that little Methodist church there in Atlanta, Georgia on Epworth, 1957. You say, hey, go ahead and figure that up. It's a long time ago. 1957, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I moved from being a religious, good church member to a born-again child of God. And there's a lot of difference, folks, a lot of difference. So that first anchor is this. There is that protection that God gives us. What's our second answer? Well, God's our peace. Now, pick up in verse 3. It says, Though the waters roar and foam, 
Though the mountains tremble in its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High, God is in the midst of her, so she shall be moved, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. What's peace? Do you ever think about peace? By the way, the world does not give you much peace, does it? In fact, it's interesting. Somebody said, what newscast do you look to? I said, I quit. I don't listen to any of them anymore. I've got a source. I get a few things, keep up. I don't do it. Why? Because it doesn't matter what news you listen to, you're not going to hear the real truth. It's always slanted. But the beauty of it is, thank God, I hold in my hand something called the Word of God, the Bible, which is truth, ultimate truth. Jesus said, I'm the way. I am the truth. No man comes to the Father but by me. This is it. So I have truth that's here. It is truth that is proven over and over and over again. But interesting, all the mountains are raging, the raging sea that's going, the mountains are falling, the life-giving river, all the secret streams that are there make the city of God, and they make it, and God rejoices. But note that second verse. Therefore, we will not fear. Did you ever think about that? Faith always emerges out of what? Sorrow and pain that's there. It's the hard times, the difficult times. And by the way, let me put a plug in too. You ought to go hear David. David Platt is a God-given individual. Now, you may not agree with everything he does, but he has a real burden for the lost people. This man has been in places where you and I don't go. One of the things I can testify to, and having been overseas in a number of places, you realize that you live in America. If you have a house, a home, if you have an automobile of some kind, if you have food, guess what? You're rich to the rest of the world. 95% of this world doesn't have that. You say, well, that's a lot. That's a lot of people. But you don't think, we don't think about it. Now, is America great? No. Well, it's not. But it's the best country to be born in. Thank God for that. But people are there. But even with all of this, there's fear that comes on. Because listen, faith emerged out of sorrow. Faith comes from what? Those things in our life. Because when fear flees, faith rises up. Where fear comes, faith does not live. And so we have to understand that so many, many times. Peace multiplies here as we look toward heaven. That's what he says in verse 3. When he says, listen, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble and it's swelling, and he said, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. That river of life, the city of God that there. You know, the beauty of it is, and I was able to preach on this yesterday, Jesus is preparing a place for you and for me if, if you're a child of the living God. If you're born again by the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ lives in your life. That city is there. Remember what Jesus shared with those troubled disciples when he said, listen, he said, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be with you forever. I've got to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be crucified. Things are going to come. And he said, well, he perceived their trouble. And he said, now let not your heart be troubled. Then he kind of asked a question. He said, you believe in God? And the answer would have been yes. Believe also in me. You see that affirmation of deity? He said, listen, I and the Father are one. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there's many rooms. There's plenty of place. And by the way, that little word room, 
speaks not of something temporary. It speaks of something permanent. He said, there are plenty of rooms. And he said, if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. And he said, better yet, I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, you will also be. That is what gives us peace. So when everything else feels like it is impossible to enjoy, when Satan comes in and threatens to undo all of us, to rob you of everything, to rob you of joy, you can raise your eyes and you can realize there's a city of God. There's a place called glory where he is and he's prepared a place for you. He understands our pain. He understands our sorrow. But you know, if it had not been for the rough times, how would we know the good times? And we know those because of that relationship. He's with us. He is in us. And one day, thank God, we're going to be with him in glory in heaven, face to face with our Savior. Nothing can steal your joy. Mess your happiness up. Nothing's going to steal your joy because your joy is built on a relationship. And if I have that relationship, I may have joy, but I may not always have happiness. But I always have joy because that joy for a child of God is there. Listen to this. We know we will wake up the next morning. You go to bed tonight, more than likely you're going to wake up the next morning. Guess who's going to still be there when you wake up? God will. God will. You say, well, preacher, what if I don't wake up here and I go to heaven? Well, hey, count it all joy, friend. You just made it to glory. You said, but people will be sad. I will understand that. They will. But you know what? You won't. <laughs> You're going to be in glory. So it's a good thing to do. There will now, you know, he said, our mercies are new every morning. Every morning. And those mercies will be enough for that day. You're not going to store them up. You're not going to kind of hold them in for the reserve. No, those mercies are new every morning. They are new every day. They'll be there for you. And listen. They'll be there no matter what happens around us. Now, it's easy to say that sitting here in the church. Because after all, where are we at our Christian best? Right. And guess what? It's not, you don't stay in here. Because you know what? In a little while, somebody said, well, how long are you going to preach till I get through? In a little while, you're going to go out that door, and guess what? There's a world out there, and they're hostile. Do you know what? That world is not your home. You've got a dress here, but heaven's your place. That's your glory. What's anchor three? Well, I love this. God's our power. Now, look what happens. Pick up in verse six. He says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. That's happening. He he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob, our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations to the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Wow, what a God. That is power, folks. Everything he says for us, he's saying, listen, it is absolutely not going to happen unless God makes it happen, and God's going to make it happen. He's the one who's in charge. He is all power. Somebody said, yeah, but, man, you know, I, I realize we read the paper. We know what's happening. I'm praying for the people in Ukraine. You are too. God help them. But you know what? Let me tell you something. Russia, Vladimir Putin, 
is going to be face-to-face with God. And you know what? Vladimir Putin can have all the army, all the weapons, all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. It will go to naught when he stands before God because God, with a click of his finger, can wipe it all away. Now, that's power. That's the kind of power he says. And we see that strength. Boy, look what he says at verse 6. The, the, the nations rage so much today. The kingdoms totter. But he utters his voice, and the earth melts. One day that's going to happen. The entire world rages. The entire totters. Everything conspires against you as an individual. The whole power of the cursed world tries to destroy. But let me tell you something. One day, one day, God is going to win at all, it all, it all, and he's already won. The problem is we don't realize it right now. He utters his voice. The earth melts away before him. It melts. The God of hosts, the God who fights for you, the God who fights for me, the God who fights on our behalf, it is he, and all he has to do is speak. You ever think about creation? Do you ever think about the fact now, and you, you can believe how you want to believe. That's, that's fine. I understand that. But I'm going to take the literal interpretation. I believe it. God spoke. And guess what? Here we are. What did you have to do with it? Not one cotton-picking thing. Nothing. Beauty of it is we enjoy what he's done and the benefit of that because God loves us. But he burns the chariots with fire. In other words, nothing is a match for him. That's what he's saying. The psalmist said, listen. Nothing's going to be a match for him. Hezekiah stood there, and look, he did, and boy, the king said, and all that, and God wiped out 185,000 of them overnight. He raises up again to what? Victory. Guaranteeing our final victory. Folks, you know this. We're going to win this thing. You say, well, it's tough right now. I understand that. And I understand how people suffer. I understand. I listen. My heart aches. My heart breaks. I spend too much time now, but thank God one day I won't have to do it anymore. Won't be nice, Jeff. We won't have to go to another, won't have to preach another funeral, won't have to visit a hospital, won't have to go to a funeral home, won't have to sit beside a grieving parent. None of those things will have to happen. One of the things this week, and you never know what's going to happen. We didn't realize it. We didn't see it happen. But while we were in Puerto Rico, there was a guy who was out on some rocks that was there, should not have been there. The lifeguard was giving him what for to get off the rocks and get away. And a moment, a wave hit him, and boom, he was gone. He drowned, drowned with his family. They couldn't revive him. You think about that. That is tragedy. That is tragic. But that happens every day all about us. I don't know whether he was a Christian or not. I have no earthly idea, but I know this. That may happen to all of us. The one hope and a grieving wife, 52 years she was married to that man yesterday. 52 years. Was she hurting? Sure, she was hurting. But you know what she said? She said, Pastor, I've got a peace. Why does she have a peace? Because she knows the separation is temporary. Not eternal, but a temporary separation. That'll be there. So he said, listen, come behold the works of the Lord. Nothing that raises is against him. Nothing can do. You and I can stand before him. But there's also... A final anchor, and that speaks of God's purpose. Look at verse 10. And boy, this is tough. But be still and know that I am God. We're not going to know sometimes unless we're still before him. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted 
in the earth. Then he goes on, he said, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Over and over, David repeats the promise that God will defend us. He tells us why. What is God's purpose, his protection, all those playing power? Why does God do this? Why does he do that on an uncertain, a fragile people like we are? Well, he says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Folks, it's all about God's glory. You know, why does he do that? God is not interested in edifying man. Heard a friend of mine say one time, he said, we Baptist preachers can strut sitting down. That's probably true, but we have no right to strut because I promise you what God does, God does it for a reason and a purpose. And if we'll yield to him, he'll do it. And he'll come forth to do that. God promises to what? Show that he indeed the greatest protector that'll be there. He is the greatest of our pleasure, our peace. He is indeed the greatest power. And in Jesus, guess what? God has pledged it all to you and to me. Think about that. We just celebrated Easter, right? And I know, you know, you, you have those people, and I remember sitting one time in a church, and, a, and an evangelist came, and he said, well, I'm so glad to see the, you people here today. We have the morning glories. We have the Easter crowd. And the, I thought, man, why do I say that? Listen, let me tell you one thing. I am so glad that at least they're there. They're there. They come. Say, well, they come to church at least. Fine. Fine. One shot, but you never know, do you? We never know what God's going to do when the truth goes forth. It'll be there. Well, so when we wonder if God will continue to shelter us with his protection, wonder if he's going to satisfy us with his peace, and he's going to sustain us and fight another day, all those with his power, how's our answer? Of course he will. Why? Because he is God all night, and his name is at stake. Think about that. God risked it all. You know, I guess I'm always reminded, I always love this picture. When you see the children of Israel, and, I, and I've been to the Jordan River, I've seen it, and you think about it, here they are crossing, but it's interesting that the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant went before them because as they moved, that represented God's presence among the people. But interestingly enough, where did they do? They stopped in the middle, and all the people had to walk by. Now, I'm going to use a little sanctified imagination, okay? What do you think that would have done if you're out there? You, you know, you're thinking here sitting, and there's water going, and you got a wall of water up here on one side of you, right? Now, logically, that doesn't work, Right? And you're thinking, any minute, now again, understand, you're thinking, any minute, that water's going to break loose, God's going to remove his hand, whoosh, I'm going to get swept up, and down the stream I'm going to go. But all of a sudden, you see the ark, and it's standing where? In the middle of the river. I've got to pass by the ark. And you know, as I pass by the ark, I realize something. I realize that, hey, if that water is broken loose, God's ark, God's presence is going to go. And I want you to know, God's not going to let his presence go. And I can trust him with all those things. Of course he will. That's his name. Of course he will. Why? He is working in me, and he's working in me to keep me and sustain me for his glory. His glory. I guess the one thing that I, I'm reminded of, and I remember this story. I heard it some years ago. But it was true. There was a young man that uh, went to seminary. 
And he was at seminary, and he had a very rough time. He had some real problems, financial and physical, and and just a lot of problems. But he said, I remember that day somebody handed him a little book of poetry, just some sayings. He said, I remember that little book absolutely sustained me and really helped me make it through. Well, the young man went to his first church. He pastored there, and as the secretary came up and said, uh, let me tell you about one of our ladies, and she's a very precious lady. She's a wonderful, godly woman, but she's had an awful, awful time. She's had a real rough life of trial and sorrow, pain and suffering. And when you're at the hospital, would you kind of go see her? I don't know that she'll be able to see and meet you, but she'd like to meet you. He said, I'll do that. I'll go see her. Sure enough, they came, he went. But before he left, he said, you know, I remember when I was in school, I remember when I was going through a very hard time. Nothing like her, but I was hard time. But I remember that little book that meant so much to me. And I'm going to take that book. He found it in his library. He said, I'm going to take that book and give it to her, and I want her to read it. Well, he went to the hospital. And if you've ever made a hospital visit, you usually go to comfort and encourage somebody, but you usually walk away because you're comforted and encouraged. But he went there to visit that lady. There she was, very frail and unbelievable situations in her life. But the glow of the Lord was on her face. She was real. And he said, but he kept when he said, ma'am, I want to pray with you. And before I go, I want to leave you something that really ministered to me in a very special way. I want to give you a little book that was given to me when I was at seminary, had some hard times. And I remember this little book because it really helped me through some very hard times. And said, I want to give you this book. And you may not be familiar with it. You probably aren't. But it's just a book of saying nothing fancy, anything. She said, oh, I'm familiar with the book. You are? Yes, I wrote the book. Out of the pain and the suffering, the hardship came what? The glory of the Lord. Now, does she have a hard, rough life here? Yes. But a lot of people wag their heads, yes. But you know what? Let me tell you what. She left all that behind one day. And one day she graduated to glory. And you know what? She still speaks. Can you imagine that little book making its way around and helping a lot of people? You know, this means we can trust God to do what is best for you and for me with his eternal pleasure. And that's hard sometimes. I know that. Believe me, I know that. I know it in my own life, and many of you the same way. I understand. God bless you, I understand. And I wish sometimes we could take it all away. But only eternity is going to be that way for us. Looks like everything else God is taking away. He's taking your health, your comfort all your, your convenience, all that stuff, friends, family, job, you name it. And you say, but listen, in spite of all of that, here's a statement. He will keep us safe in Jesus Christ. That's faith. That is faith. Only faith, because nothing else makes any sense. There's no question, and there's no greater comfort for you and for me in our pain and uncertainty than the very presence of God Almighty. And do you ever think about this? How do you respond when life is uncertain? What do you do? How do you respond? Well, look what he says. We stop. We become still. We pray. Well, preacher, I don't know how to pray all fancy words. Prayer is not fancy words. I mean, you can pray in eloquent King James English. That is fine. That's not the issue. The issue is this, not what comes out of your mouth, but what is in your heart. And the two need to match up. So what's in my heart needs to come out of my mouth at anchor holes. 
we pray. We ask for help. You saw, all right. We remember that He is God. And listen, we are not. He is God. We're not God. He's God. We trust Him to be our mighty fortress and to bring new mercies and to work His power on our behalf, whatever it takes. We remember that He is God, and that's enough. And when He is God, He does it because He wants to demonstrate in you and through you, through me, that He is God. And how does the world know that? Do they know that by the words? They know how eloquent we say? No, they know it by the fact that our lives are a life demonstrating faith. Not perfect. I hate to tell you how many times I have fallen on my face. But you know what? God still picks me up. God still loves me. And I know that He loves me because that's what the Bible says. And He loves me unconditionally. How do you understand unconditional love? Got to have some young'uns. When you have young'uns, you have unconditional love. And you do that. Let me close it. And you've probably heard me tell this story maybe years ago. Back in the days I was here in, at Northside. But a good friend of mine, Manly Beasley, he's in heaven today. Manly Beasley, evangelist, God was using it a great way. And he was not feeling well at all. I mean, just, I don't want to go through a lot of details, but he was not feeling well. He went to the doctor to be diagnosed and found out. Well, the doctor came and said, Brother Manley, he said, I, I don't have good news. He said, you have an incurable blood cancer. And he said, unless God intervenes, he said, you probably don't have at the most six months, and I would say less than six months, to live. Manly thanked the doctor, but Manly was wise, and he said to the doctor, and he wasn't being flippant, he said, well, sir, thank you, but I know the great physician and I want to hear from him what he has to say first. Okay? Yeah, that's fine. Well, he did. Well, long story short, God gave Manly a verse in Psalms. He said, you will see your grandchildren or your children's children, your grandchildren around your table. He didn't have grandchildren then. Manly got progressively worse. And for 90 days, he bordered on the brink of death. Worse and worse and worse. But all of a sudden, things began to change. He got better. He, let, he actually left the hospital. He had some bouts off and on, but he preached for 20-some-odd years. One of the most powerful men you'll ever see. And if you ever understand a book of faith, a man of faith, Manly Beasley was a man of faith. He saw his grandchildren around his table that would be there. I was able to hear Brother Manly. In fact, I've got the last sermon he ever preached. He just simply, this sermon was this. He took Revelation passage. He said, I want to be gold in somebody's life. You know how you get gold? Gold is tried by fire. Manly was tried by fire. But he lived, and he was a great testimony. I'll never forget, just about a week before he died, he came to a place. They ushered him in. He was speaking. I made a point to get to hear him. And he sat in a big chair right down front, and he looked like death warmed over. He could barely move in. He got ready to preach, and I was sitting about midway back, and I eased up on the edge of the pew so I could hear him thinking, you know, he's going to be weak. Well, he barely got to the pulpit. He stepped to the pulpit, and God's anointing was on him. And he preached in power and authority and boldness. And when he got through, he barely made it back to the seat. Why did I say that? Well, if you look at Manly's life, you'd say, poor Manly. 
poor old man lay. But you know what? God used him. And you know the reason I remember Manly Beasley now is realizing what he went through and realizing that for me, thank God I haven't been through that yet. Could be. But you see, his anchor held in the midst of the storm. Why? Because he was anchored on the rock of Jesus Christ. Where's your anchor today, friend? That's it. Is it anchored to him or is it anchored to the world's dainties and goodness? If that's it, you won't make it. But I guess my question to all of you today, and I would love to think, and I will see in heaven one day every single one of you. I hope so. I pray so. But you know, I know better. I know better. Because I remember as a 15-year-old boy, I remember when I was 12, I remember joining the church and telling the preacher I was saved and I was as lost as a ball in high weeds. But I realized something, that I didn't have a personal relationship with God. At 15, I gave my life to Christ. Have I been perfect? No. Have I always lived the Christian life? Absolutely not. But by the grace of God, my anchors hold. Ship's torn. Sails are battered. Are the ships battered? The sails are torn. And you know, it's, it's kind of what it is. I still have most of my hair. I'm going to let the frosting grow out. No, I'm just kidding, you know. But you know what? Here's the key. When you leave here in a few moments and you walk out the door, Jeff will dismiss us. Do you know in your life, do you have a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ? You're not going to stand before a crowd like this. You'll stand before Him. If you know Him, hallelujah. If you don't, God bless Heaven or hell? Heaven, eternal joy. Hell, eternal torment. That's only two places, folks. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say to you today, be settled. Be settled. Do you know? Do you know with certainty where you're going to spend eternity? Do you know this Jesus Christ personally? Not know about him, but do you know him personally in your life? Have you at one time, whenever, and you may not remember the day, the minute, the hour, but you repented of your sin, you turned away from sin, and you turned in faith to Jesus Christ. You gave your life to Him. You say, yes, I did that. Then amen. If that's true, and you did, real. But maybe you haven't, or maybe you went through the motion. Maybe you thought you were religious, or you tried to be religious, tried to make it happen with works. We're saved by grace, not works. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Hey, I'm going to hang around here for a little bit. Uh, that's one of my spiritual gifts, hanging out. I'm going to hang out with you. Jeff is here. We'd love to talk with you. You may not feel comfortable walking down an aisle in front of people. I understand that. That's okay. We'll be over here sitting around somewhere. We'd love to talk to you. We'll take a minute. Be uninterrupted. We'll talk about it. We're not going to force you to do anything. We're not, we don't have to sell this. This is not a sales pitch. This is the reality of knowing this, that in eternity, it's all going to be over. We can't do anything about it down here. But now we have time. So if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ, if you haven't given him your life, may these next moments be real in your heart and life. I pray that you will trust Jesus Christ today. If you don't know him, if you do, praise God, hallelujah, then tell somebody when you go out that door that Jesus lives in you, through you. And you know, folks, your anchor is going to hold. Father God, 
I thank you today for the privilege to be here. Thank you for these sweet people who have listened. And Father, I know that there are a lot of things spinning in a lot of minds. You know every heart that's here. There's not a secret in this building. So Lord, everything that's here today is exposed to you. And in eternity, it'll be revealed. So Father, at that day when it's all over, when physically we cease to exist eternally, where will we spend the rest of eternity? Will it be heaven because we trusted you or will it be hell because we ignored you? doesn't matter how good we are. It only matters that we have that relationship with you. So Father God, I pray. I pray for every single person here today that Lord, there'll be a time of examination Thank you for the sweet spirit I sense here. Thank you for the freedom to preach your truth. But thank you most of all that, Lord, no matter what comes our way, the anchor is going to hold. And no matter what the storm is, it'll hold. Because the anchor has to be in the only thing that is unshakable, unmovable, that is Jesus Christ our Lord. So, Father God, do your work today in our midst. We'll praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's all stand together. Jeff, come on down here. If you're here today and you need to do anything public, there's an altar right here. Let it be available to you. Jeff is here to pray with you. I'll be right over here in the corner. We're going to hang around. God bless you. Thank you so much. Would you just bow your head just for a moment, eyes closed. In a moment, I'm going to dismiss us in a word of prayer. I want to really advise you and, and encourage you, really tune in for just a moment. We heard four words this morning. Let me give them to you again. It's the word protection, peace, power, purpose. Taste those words. Hear it again. Protection, peace, power, purpose. You may be exactly where you need to be and everything is just right in your life. Praise the Lord for that. If that is you, if you in your heart can say, Brother Jeff, by God's grace this morning, I sense his protection over my life. I have the peace of God. I regularly experience the power of God and he has shown me his purpose and I am in that purpose and he is using me to fulfill his purpose if that is you then I, I really want you to take a moment and just say God thank you for letting me have those anchors in my life but while that group is thanking the Lord if you're here this morning and you say brother Jeff right now in my life I 
do not experience the feeling of protection. Or if you are here and you're saying, I, this morning, I am really lacking the peace of God in my life. If you are in your heart, say, the truth is, I feel like I lack the power of God. I, I am being defeated in things. I am losing battles. Or if you're here this morning, say, Jeff, I know God has a purpose for my life, but I don't think I'm fulfilling it. If any one or two of those things are true of your life, while one group is thanking God for His grace, I want the rest of us that says, Lord, that one is missing in my life. I want to share with you just before I pray what you need to ask the Lord for. If you're missing the feeling of His protection or His peace or His power or a sense of His purpose in your life, it is because you lack perspective of the Lord's presence. You don't sense the Lord's presence. You don't have the right view of Him. And if that is your life, I want to invite you, as I pray, would you just ask God, Lord, I am really missing your peace right now. It's just, I, I have so much anxiety, I don't have a proper view of you. I need to be still and know that you are God. I need to sink my teeth into verse 1 that you're not just a help you're not just a present help but Lord you led the psalmist to say you are a very present help and I've not been sensing you if it's a lack of his power a lack of protection you say God I just feel vulnerable I feel like everything has access to knock me down and knock me back then it is simple Lord I need a better perspective of you so as I pray would you pray as well Father Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for the Lord Jesus who makes it possible for us to have a relationship with you. Always us to you through Christ. Always through Christ. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Lord, may that result in an overwhelming awareness of your protection in spite of storms. May your power be such in our lives that we recognize you are doing things in us we can never do. Lord, may we sense your peace that we couldn't put a price tag on. And God, may we have a great desire to be about your purpose. As Brother Rob said, in a moment we will go out these doors into a world that is against us. Lord, may we be fulfilling your purpose because we know you and we experience your presence. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Have a great week. Thank you for coming.